For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday morning. It's late in the week, but I want to take a shot at uh, talking about finish, uh, picking up from where we left off last week regarding the summum bonum, the final thing that people are looking for. And we're up to the Rambam, and I, last time I introduced the subject, uh, and I'd like to continue on it. This uh, whole series, as you know, is uh, the result of an initiative by Mishpacha Stefanski, and uh, I'm endeavoring to um, give my best shot. And since we're up to the and there are different opinions in Judaism, remember, we do not have a Catholic church where the Pope lays down one line for everybody, and the question becomes, what has been the um, different opinions about the scarb ownership, shall we say, with the final scarb um, for a person that uh, lives a good life. That's how does Judaism view the future life after death and all the rest of it? Uh, and I started last week with the Rambam, who makes it clear, in his opinion, that there's like a hierarchy and the final goal is Olam Haba. Okay? Um, I read parts from the Hakdam and Perichelech, which he wrote when he was very young, in his 20s. Uh, and now, I'd like to follow it up with how we re, re, how he uh, rewrote it, so to speak, uh, or uh, that's not the right word, but said the same thing, in, but in 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 uh, shorter words, in the Mishnah Torah. So the Rambam member writes three books, A, B, and C. The first one is the Parish of Mishnah. The second one is the uh, Mishnah Torah, and the third one is the uh, Mernavuchim. I think everybody knows that, or most people anyway. And he wrote one in his 20s, and one in his 30s, and one in his 40s. And uh, and that was it. Now, plus, he wrote some very, very important essays, as, as we shall see before I'm done. And uh, what he wrote in his 20s, late teens and 20s, he wrote in Arabic, and uh, was very long-winded prolix. I mean, he's very good. The Rambam is great. There's no question he's the best of the writers of the uh, rabbis in the Middle Ages. And number two, he's the only one I know who writes essays, or at least writes them effectively. There are a couple others that wrote essays, but uh, nowhere near, in my personal opinion, with the uh, writing style of the Rambam. Let me just compare an essay from the Rambam on the one hand with the Ramban on the other, you see right away the difference. <clears throat> and that would probably be the result of the fact that the Rambam studied in college uh, rhetoric and things of that nature which includes a great heavy emphasis on uh, writing style. That's my opinion anyway. Now, as I said, he was uh, fairly prolix, but not clear on the end of what exactly is Olam Haba. He returns to this subject in the Mishnah Torah, I don't know if you know this or not, in Hilchus Tshuva. Hilchus Tshuva is supposed to be the laws of repentance. However, for whatever reason, it's not only about repentance. The first seven or eight chapters is about repentance, and the last several uh, chapters are not. Uh, they're about the summum bonum, which is interesting. So if you're interested in any of this discussion, all you have to do is check out your uh, regular Mishnah Torah, which anybody can read. You can read it in English if you want. And you look at chapters uh, 8 and 9 in Hilchus Chuba. They're like 10 altogether. And the MS is 8, 9, and 10, Perk Shemini, Perk Chi, and Perk Asiri, is kind of a recap of the Hagdama uh, de Perichelech, not such a flowery rhetorical style, but more Tzumzach, 
And it's for that reason. And and by the way, it was much more widely read. I think even Arayoma said there, I would imagine relatively fewer, uh, probably a lot fewer people that read the Ramos Parish Mishnah compared to those who read the the, the Mishnah Torah. Because Mishnah Torah is Allah Lamaisa and so on and so forth, and Yeshiva study the Rambam, and you know, all that business. You don't really see too many, except for scholar, you don't see too many people into the Pirish Mishnah. Plus, it was always known down the ages that the translation is not good. Only more recently, when you get to Kapach and all that, that was Kapach's big achievement to put out a very good and accurate uh, translation of the uh, of the Pirish Mishnahis. Uh, so the one I use, unless I want to be very scientific, is, you know, the Ram La'am, because it's a nice addition, as Nikudas and all the rest of it, and they have the, the Perak I mean, that's the good old, um, what do you call it, uh, Al-Kharisi translation, I believe, from a thousand years ago. So translations matter. But having said that, you don't have to worry about that. Just check out Hilkas Chuba. And he goes right to the point. And he asks the, the fancy question. The final goal, the summum bonum, is the Olam Haba. It's not the Muslim Mashiach. It's not Ganadin. It's not this. It's not that. You know what I mean? It's Olam Haba. So again, the Rambam is following his policy that we have all these different concepts in Judaism. This thing, that thing. And he says, that's fine. But the final, you know, goal at the top of the, of the line, the end of the line, is Olam Haba. That's a chaim, you know, it's a it's a chaim That is to say, he doesn't mean he doesn't mean immortality is in physical immortality. He means that the nature of olam haba is being the spiritual obviously doesn't die. And atova sheni mamra, who should cause of Torah levan yitol arach the yamim, olam shekula tuva, olam shekula arach v'zeh olam haba. So, like a good Orthodox Jew, the Rambam is trying to say that Olam Hab is actually in the Chumash. Not directly, but, you know, Laman Yitah Loh Harach the Yomim. And he goes on to say, Schar Tzadikim Nam Whatever Olam Abba is, that is what the Tzadikim gain. Notice, you live a righteous life, you get this Olam Habba. We may not know 100% what it is, but that's the one you want. And the wicked don't get there, okay? Yikarsa v'yamusu. And uh, let's put it this way. This doesn't sound like a hell with torture for the wicked. It sounds more, and the Rama was criticized for this, because how come the wicked aren't being tortured? But it sounds like, you know, yikarsa v'yamusu. They'll simply uh, uh, perish. Now, to tell you the truth, from a modern perspective, you know, a modern atheist, I'm like, it's like, fine. As far as I'm concerned, when I go, kick the bucket, it's all over. That's it. Doesn't matter. As long as I don't as long as I don't suffer, you know, from doing wrong. We would actually be offended, most of us, to think that Adolf Hitler shot himself. So he put himself out of his misery, one bullet took a second, and it's over. He doesn't pay anymore. He simply doesn't get Nolan Hava. Rather, we wanted to be tortured and burned for, and, and that kind of thing. So the Rambam, nevertheless, speaking in his way, says that the Skar Sadikim is you get Olam Haba, and the Piran Mishayim is you don't. You karsi Yamusu. Bechol Mishayinu Zechol Chayim Elu, Hu Hamishayinu Chayel Olam. El Anichus Risha Beobiki Behema. And the wicked person dies like a Behema. Right? And that's the idea of Karis and so on and so forth. So, Hikaris Tikaris Olam Haza Olam Haba, 
What do you mean, Tikar Solom Hava? That's where he's learning it from. You know, the Gemara says, the Chumash says, Hikare, Tikare. And they learn, you know, there's no extra words. So Hikare, Solom Hava, that's Tikare, Solom Hava. What do you mean, Tikar Solom Hava? After all, you're already dead. Shosan Nefesh, Shapirshim Naguf, Bolom Hase, Enu Zocha, Lachai, Elom Hava. El Gamin, Elom Hava, Nechresa. So it would mean the wicked person, uh, as I said before, simply Tikaris is cut off. That is, he doesn't access Olam Haba. Okay, fine. So, I suppose, I don't know, you know, I can't know. I said the Rambam said like this, even though Hitler thinks he got off, but he doesn't, he simply doesn't realize, you know, the the the, the schar that he missed. And, uh, um, how should I put it? It's like an objective word rather than a subjective word. The person who thinks that, you know, who doesn't realize that he almost won the jackpot, threw the ticket away before he, he looked at it, uh, may never feel bad about it because he wasn't aware of it, but objectively he lost the belt. That kind of way of looking at it. So there's no question, the Rambam says, that Olam Haba, which we saw the others did not really talk about much. Sadigon, and the others, you know, they're not denying, but they, they didn't, they didn't, they, they didn't describe it much. And the Rambam also can only do it sort of negatively because never seen it. There's no goof of there's nothing physical. You have a nefesh. You have a soul of some sort. So the part of you that is not physical, right? Like your life force, uh, that's that's how you exist if you get to Olam Haba. And obviously, if, if there's nothing physical, so obviously, you can't think of an Olam Haba as a place with anything material good. Sort of like in Islam, you know, wine, women, and song, 70 virgins, and all that. And obviously, there can be nothing physical going on. Yeshiva, Amida, Shena, and you know, all the physical things happen to a body. There's no sitting, no standing, no laughing, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, and instead, as the Chazal say, Tzadikim Yoshim Rathra, same Barashim Menem Zina Okay? Tzadikim Yoshim, which doesn't mean it literally. Rathra, uh, same Barashim, and they have crowns on the head, which doesn't mean it literally. Venenem Ziva Shechina. That obviously doesn't mean literally, because Ziva Shechina means the shine of the Shechina. There's nothing like a, a, with a light to it, like a spectrum of light. Harinus Boch, Shem Guf. And what about the fact that it says Tzadikim are sitting there? Sounds like there is Yeshiva Va'amido. It's not literal, right? It just means the Ramam's interpretation of Tzadikim sitting in Olam Haba means they have ease, okay? Ah, you can tell me ease itself is kind of physical, you know, uh, uh, strenuous versus easy is a physical thing. I don't know what to say. At some point, you have to fall back on some kind of a muscle, whether whether it works or not. I'm serious about that. And it says, after saying Roshan, what about the fact that it says that it's, uh, you see, you, the Rambam, are quoting this description of life in Olam Haba, and you're telling me there's nothing physical, but the Chazal are using, they say they have crowns on the head. Klomer deyashiyedu. So it doesn't mean that they have crowns, it means they have knowledge. The crown is the crown of knowledge. This is already some semi-Greek in which the knowledge itself is what gets you there. But even a from person would say, I don't know, the, 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 your knowledge of Torah or something along those lines. Okay? Um, now, so it's the Deya. And what do you mean, Nenem is Shechina? You're not sitting there in a divine sun lamp getting a tan. 
שיונים משיג מעמית זה כבר שאין יונים מהן בגוף הובל שבו. You will apprehend more of God, אמיתס, of the truth of God, than you could when you're in Olam Hazer. So that's a highly intellectual sort of uh, understanding of, of the bliss, that you uh, know more of the ultimate uh, reality. You, you can't know it all because you're not God, but you can know more. And any bit more you know than what you have now is a tremendous schar. That, that, that seems to be. Uh, so it's a very intellectual kind of business. I mean, there's no room for, as I say, uh, you know, a Disneyland or anything like upstairs. So the Ram is very philosophical. That the person who lives a good life gets into Olam Haba, which means enters, the Neshama enters into a state of being, I guess we can use that term, a state of being uh, which is characterized by, first of all, non-physicality, and second of all, uh, a certain type of knowledge. Now, knowledge is actually a physical thing. We think, well, no, not to the Rambam. Knowledge transcends the physical, you see, because you can't hold knowledge. Uh, you know, you can't you can't describe it to time and place. Uh, you know, I, mean, I can't pick up a piece of knowledge. And in this case, uh, and again, the Rambam's an egghead, you know, so the highest madrigue is to have certain knowledge. And uh, the knowledge you get in Olam Haba is like a tremendous thrill. Now, I can't exactly say that. None of us know, but I can't say it because thrill is like a, is, is, is something of a, of a human emotion, meaning it's a physical emotion. There's no physical emotions in, in this scheme. But you know what I'm saying. Whatever it is, it's going to be really good. Okay? And, and that's all you can say. And then he wants to be uh, clear about this, right? And so he said before that uh, the highest madrega, some, so he's really talking to someone bonum over here, um, but only in a negative kind of way, as, as, as you can sort of understand. And he says, and when, and when you talk about the nefesh surviving, so the nefesh is the tzuras nefesh. So what will survive is the nevish part, which has the tzura, you know, there's the division between, uh, you know, the form and matter, which is a medieval kind of a notion. We don't, we don't think in these terms today, but a lot of the old farm sure do. Again, what you can, und- if you can see more of God, I don't mean physically see, apprehend more of God, and you can see the different deus nefrodos. And in the Hilchas Yisuri Torah, he says, he talks about it. So, um, now the trouble with all this is that the Rambam is like throwing out these little things over here. He set himself a big goal, and it's it's impossible to fulfill. Yes, I'll try to explain in a second. He himself says it. But he, he doesn't want you to walk around you know, thinking everything's uh, physical or, uh, you know, uh, dumb. So, as he said before, there's a thing called a nefesh, but that's really something he discussed in Hilchus Yisraeli Torah, which is a very heavy kind of stuff. That's where he has his his uh, uh, pop philosophy. And that's the science, as they understood it in those days, the metaphysics, which they understood to me that it not only tells you about the physical world, which we call science today, but also about the metaphysical world, which includes the soul. 
and the different types of soul. You got your neshama, you got your nefesh, and all the rest of it. And it's like endless discussions of what exactly um, the, uh, the, 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 these terms mean among different Rishonim. Now, the, the, the truth is, these things are not exactly for a podcast kind of audience, but I was asked to talk about it, so I, I'm just share what the Rambam himself says over here. You see how complex we're talking about. If you look in Hilchus Yisodiah Torah, not Hilchus Tshuva, I'm switching you now. Until now, I was looking at Hilchus Tshuva in chapter 8. Now I'm switching you to Hilchus Yisodiah Torah, because the Rambam says to, to do that in his writings, and here he's talking about the different parts of the soul and all that kind of business, you know, Chiburi Yisodos Ritsuro, and parties and all that. And he says over here in uh, chapter 4 in Aloha uh, Ches, I guess, that, um, uh, what do you call it? Here it is. Nefesh called Bosa Yitzurosa Shinosanael. When I use the word Nefesh, it's the Tzura that God gave him. Vadasa Yaseir Mitsui Benashe Shalotam Yitzurosanam Hashem Badaito. And man is different than the other creatures because he has intelligence. The Das Yaseir, right? This extra, um, so notice the nefesh kolbasa is tsuroso. So if I look at a at a at a dog, dog has a certain nefesh. God created dogs with a certain way, a certain amount of intelligence and instincts, and whatever you call it. And human beings is different. And a person that extra that we have over the dog, over the behemoth, he tsuroso adam hashalom badaito, right? That's the tsuroso adam hashalom badaito, the the fully uh, intelligent person. And that's why God says we're going to create Adam and Eve. In other words, doesn't literally mean they look like God. They can understand abstractions. Uh, a behemoth, a fish, whatever, can't understand abstractions, but uh, you know, philosophical ideas. But a human being can. Believe me, he says, it's not talking about the fact that Adam and Eve were created with a face and God looks like the face. That's not called a nefesh, that's a toar. That's a, that's, we call that the face, of, the description of the facial features is a toar. And when it says, he's referring to the nefesh part. I hope I haven't confused you, but I'm just trying to lay it across the way the Ramam does to show you the complexity of trying to figure out what's going on in the summum bonum. Uh, and even the Ramam's not going to be comprehensive, as we shall see, but he speaks, I think, more comprehensively than the others. I'm not referring over here when we use the word nefesh in creation to, to, to person with the nefesh we find by animals. That these are the things that cause animals to have a life force and do the habits that promote their uh, living, you know, eating, drinking, uh, reproducing and so on and so forth. El hadeya shitzuras hanefesh. It's it's deya das, which he means the ability to to think abstractly. But sort of, that's not a small thing. I mean, sounds like I'm just tossing out a, a line. The ability to think abstractly is is, is quite remarkable. But sort hanefesh akasim adaber. Upam rab tikon dur nefesh v'ruach l'fikach tzarich lizar b'shemos shlotite. So the Rambam says, when you look in the Chumash or a place like that, and you see that they use the word Ruach, Nefesh, this, that, and the other, you have to be very careful to assign a proper classification, because you might get it wrong. Okay? Shlotita, don't make a toast. Now, um, so we're talking now about the human beings 
unique um, attributes, abilities to, uh, you know, speculate and, and, and consider abstractions. I'll say it again, the abstraction is not a small concept. God is an abstraction. You understand? I mean, that's not all God is. He created abstractions. But God is an abstraction. You can't, you can't, this is the, the great uh, challenge of trying to think about God. You, know, you can't get anything physical. Uh, it's an abstract concept from the human being point of view. Uh, now, he goes on, so this is what he means by the nefesh. Okay? And by the way, I, I, I'll just read you a little bit more to make my point. This nefesh is not physical, so it's not like a, the body that falls apart when you die. It's not part of the neshama either. So this tzuras nefesh, this ability to think abstractly, which ultimately allows you to contemplate God, that's a, a gift from God. So fika kishi part of golem. Therefore, when the person dies and the golem, the, the, the goof, falls apart and disintegrates, uh, the goof dies and disintegrates and the neshama is no longer operating. You know what I said? The neshama is no longer operating because there's no goof for it to operate. The job of the neshama is to operate in a goof. Uh, but, but what lives on the Rambam says is this nefesh, but this very particular type of nefesh that he gave to the human being, um, at least it might live on if you live a good life. That's the part that lives on. So who gets to be an olam haba? Uh, then this nefesh that I just talked about. Okay, the 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 again the day is which God gave him. He said matas elohim. So these are very important points. So you know if you're if you're interested in subject, this is the part you want to be ma'ayin in, in the Rambam. Because um, this nefesh that we're talking about is not part of the body and the, and the neshama, meaning running the, the daily goof type things. But on the contrary, it's able to apprehend abstractions, to comprehend abstractions. Those are abstractions, ideas. And therefore, it can know, at least to some degree, God, who is abstract. And this is the part of you that has the possibility of eternal life. That's why it says in Kohelis, The Ruach, in this case, the essential you, the Nefesh, uh, this this part of you that can comprehend abstractions, this is the part that may, I repeat, may survive. See, you want to know what the summum bonum is and all the rest of it? It's going to involve life after death, the hainu, after the goof and the neshama, you know, uh, kind of disintegrate. Uh, but this nefesh, this source of nefesh, which he calls a, a mesa shem and a shemaim, it's a special gift, uh, this ability to comprehend abstractions will... If, if properly maintained and uh, cultivated during your lifetime, uh, this is what will survive. Now, the problem is, the Ram himself goes on saying, this is the point I wanted to make over here. He says, nothing I just told you is exactly the way it is. It's just a little bit. It's a drop in the bucket. 
So just think about what I just said. It sounds like he's got a, a plan over here. But he himself says, since we're dealing with abstractions, and none of us have ever seen it, and we're trying to comprehend Chazals and understand what their meaning is, like I said before, Tzadikim, Yoshin, V'ochlim, Atrasem, Brosham, and we're trying to understand the meaning of the Mashal, as he puts it. Uh, so we realize that we're just scratching the surface, or as he puts it, Kemar Medlin, drop in the bucket. It's very deep, very difficult. It's not like knowing what God is. We're talking about what the Nefesh Adam is, but still, um, you know, what, what, what can I tell you? And this is one of the things of the Maisa Merkabah, Maisa Breshis, and so on and so forth. Okay? Uh, now, uh, he says, and I mean, I'm no, I've been familiar with this concept all my life. It's not so, I, I don't know, how should I put it over here? I don't think I've ever experienced it exactly, that contemplation of these effects lead you to an ecstasy, okay? To an ecstasy. And uh, the ecstasy would be identical with the part is. I'm just uh, telling you that. But that means that that's something you can do while you're still alive. So you can taste the summum bonum, a little bit of a taste while you're still alive. That's my interpretation. Again, this is all in When you consider the stuff that we've been talking about, and I just gave you a little piece about the nefesh. He has more in there. And you comprehend, or you uh, you uh, consider, the vast nature of the universe that God created with the malach, with the physical universe, the metaphysical universe. In other words, you and I would say like this: Look out, outer space. It's like unbelievable. It's endless. And then, if you're adding to it a ruchni sticker, then it's endless, endless. You see God's chachman. All this mosif that makes you fall in love with God, have an ecstasy. And then you have as David Melk says, that my you know flesh yearns for you, quivers for you. That is to say, your ecstatic state, right, of love. Um, now, he sees how insignificant the man is compared to God. And you know, and the ecstasy leads, and obviously here the Rambam is is clear to me. The Rambam speaking from personal experience. In other words, he's writing the way he saw it, because you and I, um, you know, uh, you 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 and I can maybe consider you know the vastness of God, but. Uh, I don't think most people say sorry, except in a song. I mean, literally, that you're, you you know you have this unbelievable longing. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just, that's what it seems to me. But he's talking about himself. And he says, when you consider all the abstract creatures that exist, which is almost like a tartarasasi, but it's not to him. Okay? Uh, and you consider your insignificance, so you, you're a klima libusha klima. You feel a sense of shame. But that itself is part of the ecstasy. You're so vast. I'm so little, so garnished. It's been a garnishment, a garnish. 
and you still are interested in me, wow. Okay? And in Yonah Abraham Elo, and And to him that's the Pardis. Okay? Meaning And the reason in the story of the Pardis and the Gemara, you know, the four rabbis, Ben Zoma and, and, and Rabbi Kiva and Acher and all that, Ben Azai. So the reason they messed up was because when you, to the Rambam, given the Rambam's interpretation, when you try to understand these things clearly, you can get your brain fried. You know, in other words, there's only so far you can go in the abstraction business. Uh, and uh, and he gives an orthodox thing. He says, Therefore, Don't go in the Pardis until you already finish learning in Yeshiva. Okay? Uh, first, you have to learn Nigla before you get to Nister. This is, I'm just throwing this because it's interesting. Even though, ultimately, the Nigla is garnished compared to the Nister. Right? But nevertheless, it's it's a necessary propedeutic. That is to say, it may be true that the Nigla is inferior to the Nister in terms of its content, but you can't get to the Nister without going through the Nigla first. That's how he puts it. Okay, because they they uh, teach how to think, as we would say today. And the nigla is very very important. So having, you know, as you see, it's a very complicated kind of business the Rambam is laying out, and this is what he means when he says over here that this nefesh that I just described or read you from. This is the part that survives if you're Zoha. Okay? This is uh, Zoha. And um, he goes on in, the, you know, in, in, in great detail. So the punishment, as I said before, is not to burn and get tortured. The worst uh, punishment is that you get cut out of all this. Uh, like I said before, um, how should I put it? It doesn't... And the Ramban disagrees with this, by the way. He says, you burn, baby. But the Rambam, you know, has this idea that the highest uh, schar is, is being part of this and the and the highest uh, punishment is not being part of this. Okay? Um, you get... Tikares. You, you cease to exist. I'll tell you again, from a Greek perspective, a modern perspective... Big deal, so you cease to exist. That doesn't bother people. That is why people committed suicide down the ages. Uh, they hope the person committing suicide is like this. I'll put an end to the whole business. If you could convince somebody, oh, you um, committed suicide, therefore you're going to burn in hell for it and be tortured, you won't commit suicide. You see? But if you say, I'm just shutting the whole thing down, you know, I've had my five minutes in Olam Haza and then it's all over. Fine, you know. It's like, now those people aren't necessarily looking. This, this is my opinion. To 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 hop right in in, in in the good stuff. They just, you know, they're, they're. I mean, it's good if you can get it, but the, what they really want to avoid is being, uh, you know, uh, uh, suffering. Okay. Now, um, and of course, you know, the Rambam goes on to make fun of those who have a physical idea of Olam Haba. I don't have to get into all that. Okay. But the point is that uh, 
So there's the problem that I mentioned last week. That the Chacham tell us that we don't really know what we're talking about. In Koch, it's actually beyond man's ability to understand it because we've never experienced it. And only God knows it. So, um, the biblical prophecies are about the Messianic era, which is only the period prior to what we're talking about. The Yemosa Mashiach is not the Ulam Habam. I'll tell you again, that's the Rambam Shita, and most. There's, there's uh, you know, the Geula in, in terms of Yemosa Mashiach, that's like a physical Geula, and then there's this thing, this Ulam Habam, which is something different. So, when you find, for example, just off the top of my head, in almost it says, you know, the Koresh, you know, Benigash Koresh Bakotzer, something like that, that there'll be unbelievable prosperity. It means there'll be unbelievable prosperity in the Messianic era. That is to say, there'll be a, a state of Israel, kingdom of Israel, a physical place, and it'll be tremendous uh, physical prosperity. Uh, that may be, but it's not going to be um, Olam Haba because Olam Haba doesn't involve people plowing and getting instant crops. It's it's a different state of being. I will tell tell with Olam Chayom Haba, ain't lo erek v'dimian lo dimuhanavim. Even the, the prophets didn't talk about Olam Haba because they also didn't know. You see, kadesh liyuch v'dimian, and the prophets didn't talk about Olam Haba because the attempt to try to explain it in dimion would lessen it, which is very interesting. You know, the, the most eloquent Navi can't understand, can't understand what Olam Haba is, because it's, it's beyond. And if you try to, you know, use physical uh, terms, what are you going to do? I. That's why Yeshayahu said, I in Russell, he was the lost of Yasef Haglav. The eye hath not seen what awaits in Olam Haba. Hatovah Russell, I in Navi. No prophet ever saw Olam Haba. He'll also assume to Olam Haba. It's there but no one ever perceived it. So it's hard to sell this to a regular person because they say, I don't, I don't know what I'm signing up for. I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know what I'm being you know, uh, uh, <laughs> promised, as it were. You know, but uh, that's, how, that's how he puts it. Okay. And let's see here. And Zeshkoam Habolam Neshina Matsayatel Omovod and Olam Haba, just again, doesn't mean a world that will be created. You know, in Hebrew, you could explain it like this. The world to come could mean it's not here now, but one day God will make it. No, it's here already. So, here he's like uh, arguing, I think, with Sadiqon uh, and the others to say, there'll be Muslim Mashiach, and then the whole world will cease to exist. And, it'll go ahead and then we'll create a, a brand new reality. And the Rama said, no, no, no. It, it, since we're dealing with Ruchnius, it's like already here, you know. The only thing is, it's only after death and after the proper t- point. Um, so, um, that chapter is the one you want to look at if you want to understand, uh, you know, what... What what's going on in terms of the summum bonum? Now, I want to make this point, and then I'll close down for today, because uh, I went a little bit. The, 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 the Ramah certainly is talking about here Olam Habo, 
And that's what happens after life after death. In the next chapter, um, he talks about Yemosa Mashiach a little bit. Okay? Uh, without going through the whole business, he says, you know, let's put it this way. How do we understand the, the promises in the Torah? I mean, is that all that you're looking for? And he tries to explain it his way. And, and the point, famous point of the Rambam is that you want material benefit so you'll have the opportunity to engage in spiritual activity, which will allow you, especially in his scheme, to supply your nefesh with uh, knowledge of abstractions about God and Torah and things like that. And that's what will survive, give you the chance to enter the Olam Haba, the, the different state of being. Because, and he's not wrong about this, if divine providence puts you in the wrong time, the wrong place, and the wrong matzav, you don't even have a shot at it. So take, for example, uh, off the top of my head, somebody who was born in the place in 1920 in, uh, I don't know, Poland or someplace like that. That guy's screwed. Because when you're 18, 19 years old, comes Hitler, and, and then he kills you. So somebody worked, uh, was in Poland, and the Germans came in when he's 19 years old, and then two, three, four years later, he's gas chamber. So, I mean, is that guy going to Olam Haba? The Rambam, and this is a title on the Rambam. I mean, the critics criticize this, but I'm just saying. Rambam said, no, you you know, you had no time to supply your nephews with anything. Um, you had no opportunity to, to learn, to cultivate the high things in life. The person I'm talking about had the scrounge just to, 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 you know, to survive day by day. And in the end, the, the Nazis got him anyway. So, um, you know, he didn't have a chance. Or somebody born with some kind of illness which doesn't allow him the ease with which to indulge in intellectual activities. Uh, he didn't have the opportunity, you know, uh, to do podcasts and things like that. Uh, you know, what, what, to give a sheer. Uh, what's a person like that supposed to do? So, in that context, the Rambam learns that if you live the good life, which means I'll supply you with the material that you need, Meaning, I'll make it that you live in 20th century America, 21st century America, and you'll live a place in Lakewood, and you'll have a rich schwer, and you'll be able to sit and learn benachas, and uh, you know pick up a lot of knowledge, so when you kick the bucket, you'll be able to enter the Olam Havo. That's the way he understands that. But then, he says, uh, If a person is is living in a state of illness, or in wartime, or starvation, then you have no way to pick up the musculos, you know, that, that give you the food for your nefesh to survive. And that's the reason they wanted the Mashiach to come, because that'll be a time of ease and prosperity, and it'll give you the opportunity, if you take advantage of it, to sit and learn. They'll, the Jews will live the good life physically, and they'll have the opportunity to engage in Torah mitzvahs. They'll have ease. They'll be able to get the Olam Habo. And in Olam Habo, they'll pick up a lot of knowledge. But the final goal is to get the Olam Habo with the Schar based on the knowledge you picked up in, in, in Olam Hazet during the Moshe Mashiach. 
Muslim Mashiach will be in Olam Hazeh, and it'll be a world like you and I are living now, but it will be peace and prosperity. The Arabs won't bother Israel and so forth. Malchus talks to Israel, and so on and so forth. Now, uh, I'll just end with this. The, the Rambam was criticized uh, by his opponents, and he had many opponents. They said, well, what about the resurrection? What about the Chiesa You didn't mention that. He gave a whole long, eloquent description of um, of Olam Hazeh and, and of Olam Haba, you know, acknowledging the limitations of human reason, human uh, uh, comprehension, to cut what exactly is going to Olam Haba, but at least you see it's something really good. Uh, and you explain the nefesh part, and you even related to Yimosa Mashiach, the Yimosa Mashiach is a time when you'll have the opportunity to acquire the knowledge that will enable you to get into Olam Haba, uh, which is, you know, an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, but, w- but what about what about the Tchiesa Mesa? Where does that fit in? Uh, where does that fit in? And you're not mentioning over here, have you given up your belief in resurrection? that you wrote about as part of the 13 principles 10, 15 years ago when you were in your 20s and uh, wrote the Hakdam and the and said the 13 uh, Ikram, one of which was the Tchiyas HaMesim. Uh, let's put it this way. What do you need Tchiyas HaMesim for? Why don't you just, let's say, for example, live in Mosa Mashiach, or like I say, in Bnei Brak with a rich Shver, and you like to learn, let's put it that way. Let's say you like to learn, and you're smart. So, uh, you know, what, what do you need any... What do you need anything for? You, you know, you die eventually, and you and you and and your the nefesh part is now going to be in this Olam Haba type of existence, which we cannot describe it. Even the prophets couldn't describe it because it's beyond beyond, and it'll be amazing, and you'll live in eternal bliss. So you know, what do you need to come back and see your grandfather or Anamarishan again? Like, what's that got to do with anything? This is something the Rambam felt he had to respond to, and something he called Igeres Atchis Amesim. And that's what I'll get to next time. Uh, so once again, I'll uh, wish everybody a good Shabbos. I actually plan to be in Israel next week, so I don't know how we're going to arrange all this. My plan is to get to Israel on Thursday, and then I start my tour on uh, the following Monday. But uh, but between now and then, I'll have a better idea. Anyway, once again, we thank Mishpacha Savansky, and we close this down for the week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.